Hello, film listeners. I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Welcome to my podcast where I dissect films with fellow film enthusiasts and figure out why we love the medium so much. Today is Thursday, November 3rd, and I am going to be putting another entry into the diary of my film-watching journey. I'm going to be covering all the films that I watched from October 15th or 16th, excuse me, all the way through the 31st, Halloween. Tons of spooky movies to talk about. Before we do, just want to give a quick reminder that if you like the show, please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, leave a rating on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Please follow the show on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Frankly I Love Movies and on Twitter at Frankly underscore podcast. And of course, you can follow me on Letterboxd at BigWalls21 for all recent movie reviews. This coming Tuesday, November 8th, I will have a full-length episode on My Neighbor Totoro with Rihanna Henson and Frank Olmsted. It's a really great conversation. I hope you guys come back for that one. All right, let's get to the diary entry. I hope you guys had a wonderful Halloween season. I know I did. I know we're a few days past it, but I got to catch up. You know, it's just, just the way the schedule fell. So here we go. My schedule was incredibly busy during these past few weeks, so I tried to fit in as many new movies as I possibly could. New, at least to me, you know, and keep in the spooky spirit season and such. Spooky, sp- spooky season spirit, I mean. And uh, so I ended the last Iron Tree by saying I rewatched uh, the first VHS film, and so I kind of continued on that. Um, found footage style binge by watching as above so below from 2014 this is the film that is about a group of archaeologists i guess or something like they uh they go into the catacombs of paris to look for the philosopher's stone this is the first film in history to have been granted access by the paris government to film in the catacombs, which is probably the biggest thing that gave it its notoriety. I remember hearing people think this movie was scary, and uh, I was definitely intrigued by it. And uh, it's not very good. It was, like, not super exciting. The found footage-ness of it is definitely nauseating at points. It has its moments of, like, okay, let's see where we're going. The acting wasn't terrible, Um, you know, and I think that the premise itself of being, you know, basically Indiana Jones meets Harry Potter, you know, is sounds entertaining in really any context. So I think they have an interesting proof of concept. I just think that the execution of it was not super interesting. The characters weren't great. The scares didn't really make a lot of sense. I thought for some reason this was like a cult-like movie and there's like hauntings, but they don't really explain what it is. So it's kind of just relying on the atmosphere of being in the Paris catacombs, which I understand, you know, the scenery is really great and it is fun to be fun. You know, it's interesting at least to be in the catacombs, but um, everything else surrounding it is kind of forgettable and not uh, super enjoyable, in my opinion. So it's not terrible. I gave it two stars. It's kind of just a whatever movie. I don't really understand what all the hype was about. I've seen way scarier movies, Um, but obviously, of course, you know, glad to check it off the list. On October 21st, I did a double feature. I watched uh, The Elephant Man, or rewatched The Elephant Man, excuse me, David Lynch's 1980 biopic all about the life of uh, John Merrick, the man, uh, the Elephant Man himself, who was um, known for having many physical deformities all over his body. This was my second time 
watching it. I decided to watch it because I got the Criterion um, Blu-ray for Christmas last year, and I or for my birthday this year, excuse me, and I hadn't watched it yet. And it has some really cool monster movie elements to it, so I thought it was fitting. And I mean, just it's such a really wonderful movie, and you know, carrying the binge of David Lynch stuff from uh, the Twin Peaks uh, stuff that I talked about last diary entry. This is just a really wonderful movie that uh, I watched for the first time last year, actually, and so this was only my you know, second time seeing it, and it was so, so rewarding, and all of the creepy monster stuff popped out of you. This this time around, it was actually a lot more scary than it was um, emotionally, you know, human. Not that it isn't that, but I focused much more on the um, the kind of terrifying elements of the film you know, probably given the season, but also uh, the first time around I was focused, I was leading much more with my heart in this one. I was leading much more with my mind in this watch. Um, and it's it's a perfect movie. It's a five-star movie. It absolutely gets the like. I love The Elephant Man so much. I love David Lynch's like fundamental side being shown here and how he uh, it gives a lot of references to the foundation of cinema and the early years of cinema. It's just such a delight. I love The Elephant Man. If you've never seen it, Please check it out. Like I said, I gave it five stars. I gave it the like. Incredible film. Uh, doing a complete 180, I uh, wanted something a bit more light and quick. So while I was cruising around Hulu, I was looking uh, for... I was, I was maybe going for a horror movie, but then I was like, I needed something a little bit lighter. So I watched Masterminds from 2016. Uh, this is a comedy... Um, starring Zach Galifianakis, Kristen Wiig, Owen Wilson, and Jason Sudeikis. All about uh, essentially a bank heist that was uh, very famous in 1997. And this is a more comedic portrayal of it. And it's not good. I did not enjoy it very much. I didn't find it very funny. I probably laughed like maybe two or three times, like genuine laughs. Um... I think all of these actors have done their shtick in way better movies. And this feels kind of like just an SNL movie where it's clearly showcasing the talent of the performers and showing, hey, these people are funny. And yes, I've seen these people be funny in other things, but um, lots of this just doesn't land. It feels like a fake movie. Like I was basically already forgetting the movie as it was finishing. Um, I didn't hate it. I remember seeing Jeremy Johns review this and saying this was like the worst comedy he had seen in 2016, which I was like, wow, okay. Granted, you know, he sees way more of modern comedies probably than I do. Um, and but I wouldn't say I hated this movie. I just I, I just didn't really find all that much enjoyment in it. And they're everyone in it is kind of wasted. I think their talents are best used other uh, in other films, especially Kate McKinnon. You know, I think this is the movie that kind of solidified that her shtick is kind of wearing on me that I, I don't drift towards her as a performer even though she's obviously incredibly talented and you know deserves her success like 100% just her my interest in her as a performer is really um, diminishing the more I watch her because I, I get very used to her shtick and it doesn't really work for me um it's also very weird to see Jason Sudeikis go through his character in this movie, especially, you know, he has an accent, like a Southern accent, and I've been, you know, so used to him on Ted Lasso, which is wonderful. Um, 
but yeah, this movie is just not very good. It just feels like a movie that is f- like made for a, a a digital short on SNL as like a movie trailer. Like they created a fake movie and then they made a trailer that shows the whole movie in it. You know, I thought that's what this felt like. Uh, and but the fact that it's a ninety minute movie, it it can't sustain itself at all, uh, unfortunately. And so I I gave it a uh, one and a half stars. I did not give it a like. It's not very good. Um, but it, it, I will say it was honestly what um, I needed in terms of timing because 90 minutes I was in and I was out and then I crashed in bed as soon as it was over. So uh, that's at least something. <laughs> uh, all right. The next day on uh, October 22nd, I was hanging out with a uh, former film guest and good friend of mine, Lexi Cutmore, for most of the day. And uh, we wanted to watch something spooky that night. And so we went with I Know What You Did Last Summer. This is a classic 90s slasher cheesy film from 1997 starring uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prince Jr., um, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Uh, Jonathan Galecki is in this movie. Uh, it's all about a group of friends from high school who are graduating and they uh, accidentally hit and kill uh, someone on the road that they were driving on one night and then the next summer they receive notes saying I know what you did last summer and her killer with a hook starts hunting them down and killing them uh this movie is trash but I love it it's wonderful 90s slasher horror movie trash like a lot of people pair it with scream I think rightfully so in some ways because obviously Kevin Williams wrote Kevin Williamson, excuse me, wrote both Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. I know he wrote I Know What You Did Last Summer first. Um, So there's definitely similar aspects to it in terms of the characters and the dialogue. Um, But this is just so much more trashy. Like, it's not prestigious like Scream is. Um, Maybe prestigious is not the best adjective to describe Scream as, but Scream is a big deal. Scream is, like, very much, like... um, uh, revered by critics and fans alike and started a franchise and was made by a master, um, you know, Wes Craven. And this is clearly just trying to reach a specific demographic of the characters they're portraying, which is, you know, late high school, early college students. Um, and there's not really anything else below the surface in that, uh, and there are certain things in characters and in performances where I'm like, wow, there were some choices made, particularly with Anne Heche and the friend, um, the other male friend in the group whose name completely escapes me. He's just so intense and over the top. You're just like, what the fuck? Why are you friends with them? They don't, it doesn't even feel like a character, you know? And the whole reveal of who the killer is is very weak. Um, like, once you know who it is, you're like, oh, huh, okay. Um, it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the story. I still, I have a lot of fun with it. I, I you know, the 90s cheese works for me here. And it, uh, it not being something that's so expertly crafted and meticulously thought out, like, doesn't really bother me. I mean, I I think a two and a half star rating, which is what I give this movie, is is fair. Um, but I, it's not a bad movie. I do have a lot of fun with it, um, despite its trashiness and its flaws you know it's like this movie kind of is like junk food in movie form for me you know i i know it's not very good and it doesn't really you know uh give me anything mentally nutritious um 
but God, it tastes good watching it. Like, I honestly have a lot of fun watching I Know What You Did Last Summer. And I, I wanted to watch... I still know what you did last summer, but I wasn't able to, timing-wise. So I'm, I'm maybe I'll uh, I'll watch that at some point this week. I can imagine I'm probably going to continue some of the horror movie stuff into this next diary entry. Um, because uh, there's just not enough hours in the day to watch everything. So, um, But anyway, I know what you did last summer. Two and a half stars. Moving on. All right. On October 24th, I went to the theater to see Smile. Kind of in a dry spell in movie theaters right now. Um, I know Tar is starting to come to um, movie theaters. Uh, just started to come over the weekend, and um, I'm very excited to see that myself. Um, but I wanted to kind of keep in the spooky season. It was kind of between this and Ticket to Paradise, and Ticket to Paradise, while I'm sure it was a fun movie, didn't really fit the vibe of what I was really going for. I was like, no, let's keep with the horror. So I went to go see Smile, and I was surprised at how many people were saying that they really enjoyed this movie. A lot of people think this movie's very smart and very scary and entertaining, um, and uh, I can respect those opinions, but at the same time, I do not agree. I found this movie to be quite terrible, and... I was going in at least with positive thoughts, being like, all right, let's see what all the hype is. I'm very curious about that. I don't personally find people smiling creepily at a camera to be the scariest thing in the world. So right off the bat, you know, you're kind of losing me a little bit. But I, again, open mind. Let's see what happens. And something interesting happened during my screening. I realized that I had never had of a movie, a horror movie specifically, make me feel frustrated, bored, not scared, and make me laugh hysterically at several points throughout the movie. I don't think that's ever happened. Such a wide range of emotions. We talked about it in the show before, like bad horror is so funny and can be so much fun and enjoyable. But this was like moments of hilarious... Like, the birth, there's a birthday party scene in this movie that is just amazingly funny. And then there's some story things that make me frustrated. There's some acting performances that are just awful. And the ending is bad. But then there are parts where it's super slow and boring. And it just, like, my interest really shifted so much throughout this movie. And I was just not enjoying myself watching it, other than the times that were incredibly hysterical. But the problem was, is the parts that were hysterically funny were unintentional, but then it tries to really make itself, like, it takes itself so super seriously at other points, like, it thinks it's really smart. It was just frustrating, this tug and pull that this movie was doing. It wasn't enjoyable to sit through and watch. It's also way too long. It needed to be 30 minutes shorter, and it's just bad like it just thinks i just think it's i think this movie believes it is way smarter than it actually is i'm you know what i'm glad that people are enjoying it but i just personally did not at all find this movie interesting or scary like i and it the only parts that like got me as a scare were the cheapest of cheap jump scares and that's i hate jump scares you know and the ones in this movie are just the same thing. It's just someone creepily shouting this girl's name. I think her name's Rose, the main character. It's just a lot of Rose, like just yelling that. And it's just like, why? You're priding yourself on being creative. Do something creative. Nothing creative is happening. Like, ugh. I was just, I was very frustrated by this movie. Um, so I don't understand the hype. I don't get what people are going crazy about. 
Barbarian just dropped on HBO Max. Watch that instead. You'll have a way better time. So one, I gave it one star. I hated this movie. I thought it was terrible. Not good. But of course, as always, I always value and enjoy my time in the theater. Two days later, I watched Near Dark on Criterion Channel. This is Catherine Bigelow's director, solo directorial debut. She had directed a first film uh, with someone else before this, but this movie is from 1987, all about a man who falls in love with a girl that he meets in a, uh, in a bar, I believe they're in Oklahoma, and it turns out she's a part of a cult of vampires, and he turns into a vampire, and they go on this like road road trip adventure, essentially. Um, and it's amazing. This movie's terrific. I loved it so, so much. It's a romantic vampire western road movie, all in one. And that is like, there's so much going on in that you don't think it should work, but it does. It works so well. The characters are so great and enjoyable. They're so, like, it's such a rich text. Like, the script is so good. Like, so many great lines. Bigelow gives a lot of energy and room for the, um, you know, the actors to flesh out their characters. Everyone does such a great job. Bill Paxton is just, like, bananas in this movie, and he's so fun to watch. There's some really great confrontation scenes, particularly one that happens in this kind of rundown honky-tonk bar about halfway through the movie. And it's riveting. It's really great. It's also very bloody. It's intense. It's a very um, fast-moving movie, and it's made so well. It looks fantastic. The you know the shots of Texas and Oklahoma as um, as they're traveling down this area of the um, Midwest slash the South. It's really fun to watch, and the story is just so engaging. And it's it's like 95, 96 minutes maybe. And it just uses every single minute to its advantage, and it's it's really great. Uh, it's on Criterion Channel. Please go watch it if you can. The best part about this movie, though, it just proved to me how much of a queen Catherine Bigelow was. I, lo- I love Catherine Bigelow. She's fantastic. But this movie is something else. Like This movie comes out the year after Aliens, and Bill Paxton and a few other people from Aliens are in this movie. And Bigelow just gives them so much to play around with like there's an outline of a character and they really bring their own into it and they chew up the scenery and they're really making the actors like making each other better and Cameron just can't do that Cameron is all for actors and and I'm not saying their performance these actors performances are bad in aliens because they're not and I love aliens but Cameron doesn't give character well Cameron's not a good writer, you know, but Bigelow is, and she really allows these actors to be actors, as opposed to most people in modern Cameron movies, you know, there's not very many, but they are just pawns for the spectacle, you know, they're not characters, they're not really given, you know, very standout-ish performances, whereas here, um, these are performances unlike any other, and they're just, it's a its a wonderful movie. I loved it so, so much. Um, so I gave it four and a half stars. I gave it the like. Great, great watch. I continued uh, looking through the uh, Criterion's 80s horror collection, and I found The Fun House from 1981. 
I had seen this movie when I was younger, maybe like 10 or 11 or so on TV, and I vividly remember, um, I was actually surprised how much I remembered, like a, a, a pretty much a fair amount of this movie, I would say like 60% of this movie I like actually really remembered, um, particularly stuff that happens in the second and third acts when, you know, the stuff starts to go down. Basically, it's about a group of high school friends who are um, hanging out at a carnival one night, and they decide to sneak into the fun house and uh, stay there overnight. And while they're there, the uh, the Barker and uh, you know other members of the carnival attack them, uh, as well as a uh, this like weird humanoid, deformed, mutated creature thing that is with them. Uh, this film is directed by Tobe Hooper. This film is directed by Toby Hooper, who you may know from, you know, Poltergeist and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, one of the great horror directors out there. And this movie just works for me. It's so interesting, and it's so much fun. And I think it's an interesting point in Hooper's career. Because, you know, on a general sense, again, it it, it has a lot of the great 80s tropes, and a lot of the, you know, the the characters aren't, really anything to like you know take home about but he's at an interesting point in his career because he really started the more modern horror movement with Texas Chainsaw right that movie came before Halloween and Carrie and all of those classic late 70s films but he was kind of at the start of that with Texas Chainsaw but he wasn't really talked about in the same way, I feel. You know, Carpenter comes in, Wes Craven comes in, De Palma comes in, all those guys, and they make the bigger, more renowned horror film. Not that Texas Chainsaw wasn't, but they become auteurs of the medium, right? And this movie has a lot of visual references. It, it opens with a, you know, a, a, a direct homage to Halloween. There's stuff in here that's calling back to Carrie. There's stuff that's um, calling out some of the exploitation uh, genres, like um, Last House on the Left. And it's weird that, like, any other director, probably, who wasn't known for doing horror, would make these techniques and be like, hey guys, I'm here to play too. It's very weird to see Hooper doing that because, because he was already there. You know, he was already there to play. And he set these guys on this path and set them up for success in a very strange way. I mean, that's probably a big claim, but it's an interesting point in his career where he's, I don't know if he's doing it in a way where he's like, Hey guys, I can still make great fun movies like you guys are doing. Or if he's like, Hey guys, I'm fucking here too. Yeah. I can do what you're doing. Don't forget that either way. It's, it's a fascinating psychological look at uh, the director. Um, and maybe that's why this movie sings for me is all of the the director stuff that's um, amplified by his directing choices. Um, I think the movie itself is very straightforward. It's mainly just a good time. It's incredibly goofy. The uh, um, maybe goofy's the wrong word, but it's it's a pretty bananas movie. Um, the effects are really good. the The makeup is great. Um, you know, it's in that sweet spot of this eighties. Um, horror genre and um, and, and it just kind of ends it, it's just it, it really works for me and I understand why a lot of people don't like it I mean it's I wouldn't say it's anywhere near as good as Texas Chainsaw or any of those other films that I named um, but 
it's still really entertaining and it has a soft spot um, for me. And it was really fun to return to. Um, so I gave this film four stars. I gave it the like. Very nice to return to. The next day, uh, I went back to the theater because my Regal was doing a 3D rep screening of Dawn of the Dead, the George A. Romero film from 1978 that is the sequel to Night of the Living Dead, which came out 10 years earlier, um, which I had seen. For, I saw that for the first time last year, and it's amazing. It's a masterpiece. It's a fantastic horror film. And I had heard a lot of people really love this movie um, because of the setting. It, it's, a, it's a different cast of characters from the first film the, during the same zombie apocalypse. Um, and they're taking refuge in a shopping mall, essentially. And they have to, you know, fight their way through zombies to survive and make it their home. And, you know, this film not only was incredibly popular, but Zack Snyder uh, took it and remade it in the early 2000s. A lot of people say maybe his best movie. I don't know. Your mileage may vary. I personally haven't seen it. I, I, I kind of want to now after seeing this. Um, but it was cool to see it in a theater. There was like probably 30 people in the theater and to see it in 3D was an interesting experience. I'd never seen a movie from uh, from the 70s remastered to 3D, so that was interesting. Uh, I really like this movie. I, I had a ton of fun with it. It um, you know has a lot of the Romero touch from the first movie that carries over here. You know, it's definitely a a break from the present with the zombies because the zombies are very slow in this movie, and uh, modern filmmaking or modern filmmakers rather have really kind of adopted the uh, fast-moving zombie techniques. We really love to do zombies running really fast. Probably started with 28 Days Later, which is a phenomenal movie. I love that movie very much. Um, but it's interesting to kind of go back to that um, that trope of the very slow, like you have a bit of time to get away from these zombies or before they react or do anything to you. Um So, you know, I think some people may find this movie not as exciting, and I can understand that, but I was really locked in. I think it's it's a really well-made movie. It's very fun. Uh, the characters are really interesting. Uh, I would say that my biggest issue with the movie, though, is I think it's a little too long. Like, I think it's probably like 20 minutes too long. It's two hours and seven minutes, and there were some, like, pretty significant, like, five-minute, like, sections that I think could have been cut out because they were basically saying the same thing. A lot of it has to do with just the passage of time because they're locked in this um, in this mall for a very long time. So they have to, you know, show them getting acclimated to their new world so that when the shit hits the fan, it feels like it's an actual, like, crumbling of society in a, you know, in a way. Um, so I, I didn't think that they needed to do that as many times as they did um, or draw out certain character moments as long as they did. So the pacing is a little weird. Also, it took me a minute. Like, they, they throw you in. They just throw you right in, which is good. But there's some... I have, like, some questions just based on, like, the setup and what is happening in the beginning of this movie. Because there's this building raid. Um, our main characters are basically members of this police squad. Um, basically a SWAT team that deals specifically with these zombies in their um, raiding an apartment complex and you're not a hundred percent sure what they're doing there or, um, or what's going on. It takes you a minute to be like, Oh, so they were doing this to do. I see. Okay. Um, but you know, it, it, I think that can be like a positive and a negative because it's like, yeah, they're moving really like they're 
throwing you right into it. And it's fun to kind of see the chaos, but like the actual understanding of what the story is if in the first like 10 minutes or so is a little tough, um, or at least it was for me. The 3D actually looked really good. I will say like I actually... Uh, I, I think it's interesting that they chose this movie to put back in 3D. There's only like a few moments where something like pops out at the camera. So I don't really know what the purpose is of putting it in 3D, but it was still a fun visual experience. There were a lot of fans of the film there and it seemed like everyone was having a good time. It was very positive energy. Not many people like yelling out or cheering or anything like that. They were very much just like focused on watching the film, which I enjoyed. And it was just fun to see it in a, in a filled theater. So I would just say those are my two main issues with the movie. I think the, you know, it's it's a little too long. The pacing is a little strange. Oh, also, and I don't know if this really has anything to do with the movie. Um, it was probably just the screening. I just think the sound quality maybe in the theater wasn't that great. It could have been a little bit louder. There were some times where I couldn't understand what people were saying. Um, but other than that, I thought it was a really fun experience to see it in the theater, and I'm glad I finally got to see it. So I gave it four stars. I gave it the like. I'm sure I will return to it. Um, I would also like to watch Zack Snyder's remake. I'm very interested um, to see what he did with that. Um, I'm not the biggest Zack Snyder fan as a whole, but a lot of people actually do enjoy that movie, so I'm curious to see uh, what he did with it. All right, we got three more films to talk about. We're nearing, uh, we're nearing the end of the Halloween Diary entry here. On October 30th, I watched Eyes Wide Shut, Stanley Kubrick's final film from 1999 starring Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Uh, the reason that I watched this was because I was looking for something a little bit more psychological. I used to watch The Shining every single year on Halloween, but I've since shifted that to more of a winter, like kind of snowed in, shut in movie. Um, but I was still feeling like I was like, I need some Kubrick psychological thrillerness in this horror season. You know, um, I didn't realize how much Eyes Wide Shut takes place at Christmas time. So that was a little bit of a, you know, a thing to get used to and definitely soured my mood like just just a little bit just a little bit because i'm one of those people who's like i i we don't get our christmas decorations out until after thanksgiving we're not one of these cretins who does it on november 1st that's fucking insane um but I, like this movie is phenomenal i loved this movie so much and i had heard so much about it you know throughout the years i heard it, you know it's very long it's you know it's 2 hours and 38 minutes or something like that it's very confusing and very fucked up and it, and it is all of those things it's a very long movie I, I don't really know what the movie is fully trying to say it is throwing big themes at the wall about men and women but it's also talking about kind of uh you know dreams and perception and all of this it's so fascinating but it's such a hypnotic movie i was locked in for what was happening and i and i really didn't know what the story was you know i knew there was some kind of weird cult mask like thing um but i don't even really want to get into it in case you don't know what it is because it it's so tough to explain this movie and it's just so well done you know it's it is it being the final kubrick movie you know kind of makes it better because I, I don't think Kubrick, you know, I think he was best suited in as a, as an old school director, you know, and I don't know what his movies would be like in the modern age. You know, I definitely would have loved to have seen them for sure. But, you know, it's interesting to see people like Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in this movie and during the time when their relationship was going through some very murky territory. And, you know, this movie kind of jumped at that. And 
it's so fascinating to watch. And it's just, again, weird to see Kubrick dealing with a lot of modernisms in this movie um, because, you know, everything before this is kind of the exact opposite. None of this is a fault of Kubrick. I love Kubrick very, very much. It's just so interesting that for this to be his most modern movie and, and you know, in every sense of the of the word. And it's just fantastic. It's a it's a really hypnotic movie that I was just locked in for, and I can't wait to return to it. I don't really know what the movie means overall. I know some of the themes he's going for, but as with most Kubrick movies, I'm sure that he will, uh, that it rewards on multiple rewatch. So I'm very excited to do that again, but I gave it four and a half stars. I gave it the like. It really, you know, scratched that itch of a great psychological thriller. Um, I don't, the pacing doesn't really bother me. The acting is all terrific. The script is really good. It's obviously incredibly well shot and I I just I loved it I loved it so so much and finally on October 31st Halloween I did a double feature I started the day by watching VHS 2 as I mentioned before I watched the first one earlier this year and uh, I had also seen the second one back in high school so I decided to rewatch it this movie is hot garbage oh my god I don't I do not understand why people say this one is as good as the first one. This movie is awful because every interesting moment and idea that it has, it ruins itself. Like if there's a sketch or like, you know, not a sketch, if there's a segment that starts off interesting, you know, there's this one, uh, the one that I'm thinking of specifically is there's um, where a, a group of filmmakers go to this cult compound essentially and that starts off really interesting like that's where I'm like okay this is actually something that's kind of cool because it's not supernatural it's really grounded it's very you know disturbing and giving a good sense of danger to the real-time aspect of the situation and then the last like five minutes or of it just completely ruined itself and they had to put a twist in there and I was like what the fuck you guys were doing so well. I found myself saying that so many times throughout this movie. I was like, you guys, you guys are so close. So close to having something like actually kind of good and interesting on your hands. And you just ruined it. Like, I was so frustrated. Because again, you know, I was at the, it was almost like I went through the same emotion for every single segment. Started off somewhat interesting, except for the first one. The first one is terrible pretty much throughout. But the rest of them, I was like, okay. This is somewhat interesting. Where are we going with this? And then we see where it's going. And once it gets going, it just crashes into a wall. And it's just like, how do they do this every single time? Every time they get my hopes up. And, you know, shame on me for getting my hopes up. But, I mean, like, they're supposed to be entertaining me. They pull me in with their setups. And then the execution is just all terrible. The acting is bad. The stories are bad. All the found footage stuff is bad. The actual connective story to this one, also, they try and make it connected to the first one, but it just brings about so many more questions, and none of them were scary. All of the scares in the movie either made me laugh or just made me sit there being like, what are we doing? I just, terrible, terrible, terrible movie. I only gave it a half a star. I did not give it the like. These were these should have stayed in my high school era of watching creepy shit because that's where 
they are best suited. These move neither of these movies are good. I don't think I'm going to be watching any more VHS movies. I'm good after this. I have a good feeling that none of them are going to be or live up to the hype or live up to any expectation that I thought of the others before. So I'm not going to watch any more. But I watched it early in the day because I knew I had to watch something great to end Halloween with. Now, I did I want to watch a classic like some of the staples like Beetlejuice or Halloween or Scream? I wanted something different. I wanted a classic hadn't seen in a while, but has a lot of good scares in it. And much like The Elephant Man, I had I got this Criterion Blu-ray last Christmas and I had not watched it so I popped in Silence of the Lambs one of my all-time favorites one of the greatest movies of all time for uh, for all good reasons it is immaculate everything about it is so expertly made by Jonathan Demme all the performances are phenomenal they actually get better the more times I watch it I'm like this is Jodie Foster at her best this is obviously Anthony Hopkins this is an iconic performance the pacing of it is really good it's the tightest two-hour movie that you could possibly ever watch. I don't think it's a horror movie. It's using horror movie techniques to invoke scares, but it's much more at, at, at its heart a thriller. Like, it is a thriller story, you know, that uses horror um, techniques, essentially. But it, it gets me every single time. It's so fun to, you know, go through the mystery, you know, again, and... Um, to solve it every single time it's one of the best is the one of the most rewatchable movies ever it's it was i had like the lights off i had the candles on it's just amazing and the the criterion blu-ray for this oh my god absolutely gorgeous so beautiful and watching it on my big tv you know all the amazing filming techniques that jonathan demi implemented like the Tak Fujimoto, the director of photography, you know, looking right into the camera, doing a lot of really good, like, shallow focus, and it just, it looks amazing, an incredible restoration, and I highly recommend everyone check out, um, and it was a perfect way to end, you know, the, the season, because, you know, I ended on the highest of high notes, I think, with this movie, and, you know, I, it's not one that I necessarily attribute to Halloween, but, you know, it was it was perfect. I was following my heart, and this is what I felt like I needed to watch, and it was the perfect way to end the season. So, that is a five-star movie. That is an absolute like. That is a, a perfect rewatch. I can't wait to watch it again. That is it for the diary entry, everybody. I hope you guys had a wonderful Halloween season. I know I did. I'm probably going to be watching a few more horror movies into November to kind of catch up on a few that I wanted to watch this year but didn't get to. I knew I was going to... Um, I said I was going to rewatch uh, Midsommar, but I didn't end up doing that, unfortunately. But I would still very much like to, and I need to start Twin Peaks The Return. I, I am probably going to do that this week or next week or something. But it's been a wonderful Halloween season. It's the best time of the year, and I love watching all these horror movies. Um, you know, No movies get me in the mood for a time of year more than horror and Halloween. So I would love to know what you guys have been watching. You know, Leave me a comment and let me know what you guys uh, have uh, some of your favorite horror movies and Halloween films. As always, if you like the show, please make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and leave a rating on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. 
Be sure to follow the show on social media. Frankly, I love movies on Instagram and Twitter. Frankly, I love movies on Instagram and Facebook and at frankly underscore podcast on Twitter. And of course, you can follow me, Josh Wall, at Big Walls 21 on Letterboxd. The show continues next week on Tuesday, November 8th with Rihanna Henson and Frank Olmstead dropping by to talk about My Neighbor Totoro, whole full-length episode on that um, coming to you guys this coming Tuesday. So until then, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies.